NFR Extra follows all your favorite cowboys, interviews legends of rodeo, and talks to the best of country music. Follow Nevada Caldwell, Ryland Bentley, and Steve Godert every week as they delve deep into the stories behind the road to gold in Vegas at the National Finals Rodeo. It's revealing, comedic, and sometimes emotional. Find it on Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts. NFR Extra. All dirt, all rodeo, all year. NFR Extra, episode 65. Eight-time WPRA world champion Larry DeGuy joins NFR Extra to talk about the inaugural 2020 Wrangler National Finals breakaway roping, women in rodeo, and adapting or die using today's technology. And after Larry D, we bring on Mr. Chancey Williams as he shares with us growing up in the rodeo business, playing music, and how it all led to performing at the National Finals Rodeo at the Thomas and Mack Center. And here's Brylon Belly with a big announcement and the Rodeo News of the Week. Las Vegas Events has partnered with the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association to host Cowboy Christmas inside Fort Worth Convention Center and Junior World Finals at the Cowtown Coliseum. Both events will run concurrently with the Wrangler NFR, December 3rd through the 12th, 2020. The Fort Worth Convention Center is located 20 minutes from Globe Life Field. Cowtown Coliseum is in Fort Worth Stockyards just minutes from downtown. Built in 1908, the historic Coliseum was home to the world's first indoor rodeo. Today, the stockyards are undergoing a renaissance with the restoration of more historic buildings from the Old West. To add the overall experience at Fort Worth Convention Center, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation Hunter and Outdoor Christmas Expo will be co-located with Cowboy Christmas. The show is one of the largest outdoor and hunting-related expos in the country. In addition to shopping, attendees will find a variety of entertainment and offerings. The Rodeo Live Stage will host four live daily shows, including RFD TV's Western Sports Roundup, Outside the Barrel with Flint Rasmussen, Cowboy Revival with host Shane Miner, and RMES Cowboy Calcutta. NFR Central, an area featuring interactive display, will host the NFR Extra podcast broadcasting daily. Wow, Ryland, that is uh, pretty awesome news. I know a lot of fans are super happy to hear about that. And, you know, let's dive in a little bit more with our special guest, Cowboy Christmas Operations Manager, Cheryl Kavara. Welcome to NFR Extra. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, we're uh, a number one glad to have you on because of the news that Brylon just shared, and you know our fans have been anxiously waiting about Cowboy Christmas. And um, how are you feeling now? I mean, you've been pretty busy getting everything going. It's great. It's an exciting time right now. It is a little hectic, but um, with the positive note of all these exhibitors thrilled coming to Cowboy Christmas. Um, it just makes everything worthwhile. So I'm thrilled to put this together and cannot wait to see how it all turns out in Texas. Fort Worth, Texas is where we will all be in December. What is a little bit about the venues that we will be in compared to Las Vegas? The Las Vegas Convention Center is um, quite a bit larger than our Fort Worth Convention Center, so we have a little bit of challenge with that. But um, with the exhibitors, we have such a great positive turnout. We're over 75% of our exhibitors are re- are opting to go to um, Fort Worth with us, so that's a nice thing. So when we get it all said and done, um, the attendees, the visitors will walk through Cowboy Christmas and see it how it always is with a great shopping experience. And um, I think we'll have a fantastic turnout. What's the pulse feel like right now? What What's kind of the, the energy you're feeling from the exhibitors knowing that this news is out now? Um, I think this, uh, making the announcement that it finally got, we finally made the announcement for Fort Worth Convention Center, I think made it one step closer to making Cowboy Christmas happen. Um, they're still, you know, waiting to know what their booth space is like and where their location is, because that does make an impact on what they can bring. Um, some of the exhibitors, unfortunately, you know, have large exhibit space and are probably choosing to downscale a little bit just to lack of merchandise. But they are thrilled. They haven't had any shopping experiences with, um, you know, visitors since this whole thing is shut down since March. So we have a lot of ones that are just they want to get their feet back out there. They want to, you know, get back into the groove, get back into what we can get. And it's always nice to have this around Christmas time so everybody, you know, can get back to a happy time of shopping. 
I am thrilled to go shopping. That is absolutely for sure. I believe that a lot of this information that we're talking about here or for more details or things come down the road, people can visit nfrexperience.com slash cowboy Christmas. Absolutely. That's going to be your first stop to find out what exhibitors are going to be there ahead of time. You can map out who you want to visit in the shopping experience. We'll have a map of where you can locate your favorite vendor. Arlington is a big deal. But so is 2021. And what are some things that, you know, not that you need to announce, but like that you may be working on going into 2021? Well, for 2021, we are in hopes that we move to the brand new hall, the West Hall at the Las Vegas Convention Center. Um, That is our goal. And that's what we've been looking forward to just to bring in another event or a a look, I guess, for Cowboy Christmas uh, and expanding it. bringing in more activities, more interaction activities we'd like to do over in 2021. So um, that will be another a big focus after we get through with Fort Worth. We will definitely work on creating another brand new Cowboy Christmas that's bigger and better than you've ever seen. So basically, you'll have no sleep from now until um, January of 2022, it sounds like. <laughs> You're accurate. That, that's, yeah. So I would assume, let's just say the fans will have this almost a similar experience of what you do with your team and what you have accomplished in Las Vegas as when they get to Arlington, that this is what they'll, they'll have that same expectations for shopping. Absolutely. With, with bringing in all the same exhibitors, um, we can almost, almost guarantee that the shopping experience will be what they've always have experienced back here in Las Vegas. Um, we, we will fill the, the halls. There will be no problem on that. And I just, I think when you walk through the doors and you see familiar faces, a lot of I learned from our exhibitors that once a year, their fan base comes and visits them. And it's, you know, old school time. And that's what they enjoy even more so besides, you know, selling their merchandise and stuff. It's meeting old friends that they see once a year. And I think walking through these doors and seeing those old faces again, I think will make them feel like nothing has happened and they're thrilled to be part of the Cowboy Christmas experience. That is awesome to hear. And I understand that we have a stage um, as we've been used to what we've done there with Flint. Uh, we got a new guy by the name of Shane Miner bringing some great talent who we've had on the show. If you haven't checked out that episode, please do because it's a fun one. Rylan, what else? What else you got? The Cowboy here? Yeah. Revival this year launching, and we can't forget about the Cowboy Calcutta, and of course, Junior World Finals back number ceremonies. And then also, I believe we're also going to uh, Hunter Outdoor Christmas will be a part of this situation as in past. Absolutely, that will be number our number one partner as always. Man, well, this is some great information, Cheryl. I know there's more to come. Cowboy Christmas is rolling. Uh, we got the Junior World Finals right behind that. Great stuff happening. It's a good way to end the year. And thank you for coming on, Cheryl. Thank you for having me. This is Brylan's Bull, the Rodeo News of the Week. PRCA Stat of the Week, $290,616. The payout at the Gold Buckle Beer Pro Rodeo Tour Finale in Rapid City, South Dakota, which concluded September 26th. The tour finale presented a chance for the Cowboys who were trying to make the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo since the PRCA regular season ends September 30th. In conjunction with the 2020 Wrangler National Finals Rodeo at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas, women ropers will compete for the first ever world championship, the Wrangler National Finals Breakaway Roping, and a $200,000 purse at this three-day event. Reigning all-around world champion Stetson Wright secured his second event qualification for the 2020 Wrangler National Finals Rodeo by winning the saddle bronc riding at the Gold Buckle Beer Pro Rodeo Tour Finale for the second year in the row. Cowboy Christmas, the Wrangler NFR's official gift show, is coming to Fort Worth Convention Center December 3rd through the 12th. Don't miss the biggest and best Western gift show in the world. You'll find Western apparel, art, furniture, jewelry, and more. There's also a lineup of live events featuring country music stars and NFR contestants, 
autograph sessions, and giveaways galore. There's something for everyone at Cowboy Christmas, and admission is free. Get more at nfrexperience.com. Cowboy Christmas, we're all in, in Texas, and it's all here. Hi, I'm Steve Duhon, three-time world champion steer wrestler, and you're listening to NFR Extra. Larry DeGuy is an eight-time WPRA world champion with more than $1.5 million in career earnings. Guy has spent the last three decades winning every title in the all-girl roping industry, striving to improve breakaway roping, team roping, and tie-down calf roping for women everywhere. Larry DeGuy, welcome to NFR Extra. How are you? We are good. One of the things we've been doing with a lot of our guests on this show is reflecting over the past six months because everyone has a little interesting stories that have been going on. And I could only assume you being a part of rodeo and a very busy person that you've had some interesting stuff going. What, what has the past six months been like for you? Competition wise lifestyle, what's been going on with you, Larry? You know, uh, it's changed a little, um, you know, up until this year I've rodeoed and almost been like where we rodeoed, you know, on the weekends and, um, stayed around, you know, the kind of surrounding state. And, you know, when this came about where we were going to get to break away, um, at the PRCA rodeos, you know, my lifestyle changed a little bit. Um, I usually stay at home and ride colts during the week and give lessons and do all that. And, and, you know, this year it, it took a pretty big change. I turned my colts out. I hadn't ridden them in about two or three months and um, hadn't given a whole lot of lessons unless I gave them out on the road while we were traveling. But, you know, we traveled um, Idaho. We traveled uh, North and South Dakota. We, we've been tra- we traveled to Montana. We've been traveling, um, you know, a lot. And it's, it's been really fun. We've had good traveling partners and We've had a lot of fun being in the rig, but it was just something that you know um, I hadn't I hadn't done a lot of that. So it's 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 been a, it's been it's been a small change. How about competing wise? I mean, is there you've been building some dollars? You clearly been competing, right? We, oh yeah, we've we've been competing uh, a lot, and they've had so many breakaway ropings with so many different rodeos. You know, like when we traveled, you know, up north, we also got to go to a lot of really, really good jackpots as well. So it's, it's, um, it's been great. And, for, you know, and going to the pro rodeos, <clears throat> you know, when you're in Texas, the, most of the rodeos are set up to be really, really fast and a couple swings and throw. And a lot of the rodeos that we got to go to, uh, you know, you, they let the calves out a little further and you've got to use your horsepower and, and be able to use your rope and, and go rope. So it's been, um, it's been really fun. So you brought up Texas. Where so during this time, where is where's your ranch? Where are you usually living and putting your head down in, in, in the pillow and, and then waking up and riding and doing all the things you do? Where where is that in Texas or is it somewhere else? Uh, I was born and raised in Abilene, Texas. We have a ranch just right outside of Abilene. <clears throat> we have a cow calf operation. It's just a family run ranch that we have. Super exciting. I'm gonna kinda jump into the big news that was just released. The inaugural Wrangler National Finals Breakaway Roping, December 8th through the 10th, a $200,000 purse three-day event. You've won on pretty much every platform so far in the breakaway roping. How important is this for the sport of breakaway? Man, this event is so important because we have hit a boiling point in breakaway roping where something needed to happen because the momentum was so strong in our favor. And, you know, we're very thankful we're very thankful for, uh, you know, the PRCA and WPRA for this event. You know, we need big things like this to keep women hooked and pushing for bigger and better things in the future. And I think, um, you know, I think this event harnesses the momentum for all the women, all the producers, all the sponsors, and allows it to keep rolling in the right direction. Absolutely. Especially in the breakaway, it kind of seems like after college, you start having the big jackpots. This year, you mentioned the PRCA integrated. We were supposed to have, they had their first one there at Cheyenne last year. You talked a little bit about the different scores you experienced. I know the news hasn't been let out, but what do you think the score and all that will be? 
I I would guess that it will be Thomas and Max style. I think it's going to be really fast, and and I think that the girls will be able to put on a you know a good show for the for the fans. So we can expect to see a one to three second run, Envy. I yeah. hope so. I hope we go. I, I hope we get to go fast at the finals. You know that's that's what the NFR has always you know been about is is going fast. So I hope that that's the same thing that we get to do as breakaway ropers. One of the things that was really brought up a lot last year during during the NFR with our interviews was that when it you know went from Oklahoma to Vegas, the intimate side of Thomas Mack Center, which basically made everything very enclosed, it sped up the rodeo, right? Like bigger areas and, and whatnot. But once you got down to this area where like timing then became a, a big thing, it also changed the athlete a little bit. Where do you like it? I mean, do you like it fast? Do you like it where you can pace yourself and you know what you're dealing with? I know that you can do either or, but which one do you, would you prefer? You know, all year long, I feel it needs to be different at different places and, and set the score and, and, and set the pace at what the arena allow, allows. And, you know, Cheyenne gives you the opportunity to let calves out a long ways and use your ability with your rope and your horse to, to make great runs. And, you know, when you go into a small area, you can go fast. I feel you have to go fast. And I feel the fans love to see it all different ways. And when you get, you know, when you get in that Thomas and Mac, I feel that that's something that it's it, it just the energy is so electric and it, and it gives you that, that feeling of how you want to go so fast. I think that when we get, when we get that opportunity to show, you know, the spectators that girls can go so fast, I think it'll, I think it'll get electric in those um, indoor arenas. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, you know, I don't know. This is me kind of just stepping outside of my, my kind of my comfort zone of talking about rodeo, but it's, I think the, 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 lev- the playing field gets a little leveled here when we talk about roping and whether it be team roping or, or, or actually tie down. I, I mean, I would venture to say that eventually that y'all women should probably be pretty damn good at this because your light coming off, you know, obviously you're going to have to lift and, and fold down, but still, I just think that's all of emotion once you get it down. And the hips take a lot to do with that. And obviously, I'm just kind of just talking out outside of my comfort zone here, Larry D. But I just I think that eventually the playing field might become a little level. Uh, just this is my, my take. Well, anything, you know, for women that doesn't involve, you know, you know, strength per se and, and things like that, we have um, a good chance of being on a, on a pretty equal playing field as the men but you know as you know as you know I mean the men are so much stronger and I mean athletic and I mean the things that men can do they're they're built for that and and women not you know they're not necessarily built for that but they can acquire you know some things some strategies and even some you know have the ability to do some things to create more strength and and create things to to help them you know with their roping and you know, to be able to score the calf and get to the calf and throw the rope fast, I feel there's a lot of girls that can do that um, equally as good as men. The tough part is for the longest time, we and I know we're kind of going off kind of a little tangent, we've got plenty more to talk about, but I just, I don't know, I just get caught up in these kind of things where I just think that part of it was cultural and where, you know, a lot of women didn't get access to this for a long time and, you know, y'all got to be in your place or whatever it is, whatever silliness that took place behind, you know, in the past, but... As we move forward, and as I've watched with our junior world finals, and you know the girls are very talented, and they've learned a lot. And you know we we owe a lot of our ability and and our strategies and everything that we have learned to the calf ropers out there, whether they were our brothers, our dads, or just friends that you know it helped us. And that's something that you know there's so many different ways to learn these days. We have these podcasts where people talk. We, you know, we have YouTube. We have all kinds of videos, and we have all kinds of dummies and tools to learn the rope and and all that. And I feel girls have come a long, long ways with their ability to, you know, to rope. And you know, I I don't ever compare, you know, the girls to the guys. I grew up with a brother that actually went to the NFR and the calf roping, and you know, I just feel that's something that I would never be able to do that competitively because of the power and strength to be able to do what he did. But I always felt that, you know, if rodeo would allow another women's event and have the breakaway that there were several talented women and and young girls coming up that would, you know, be able to 
um, be an exciting sport just like the calf rope. The sport of breakaways moving on up. It's time to take a break. After the break, Larry D talks about the horsemanship of breakaway and the NFR in her backyard in Texas. Do you need a dose of social, a dash of insider info? Then the National Finals Rodeo Social Network is set up just for you. Get updates, insight, unique content, and much more on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. You can find us at Las Vegas NFR. And be sure to use hashtag WranglerNFR on your posts and tweets. There's something for all rodeo fans. This is the NFR. This is Vegas. Hi, I'm Doreen Wintermute, and you're listening to NFR Extra. We're hanging with eight-time WPRA world champ Larry DeGuy on NFR Extra. We talked a little bit about how there's so many different platforms to learn to rope, but I do want to touch a little bit with you on how to ride and a little bit into what goes into the horsemanship side of breakaway. It's a fast event, and could you explain just a little bit of how important that horsemanship side of the world we compete in for breakaway? You know, I feel breakaway roping is one at the start and being able to get your horse in a position to throw fast. And, you know, the, the, the ladies that do that with control and with consistency are the ones that win the most. And I feel that's how that, you know, the horsemanship comes into effect is just being able to be able to control your horse in and out of the box. Absolutely. And, you know, being a breakaway roper, I got to say, the stop may be my favorite part of roping, always. Well, I think that's everybody's because everybody, you know, they always want to turn around and see how, how good their horse stopped. I always I catch myself when my horse feels really good. I have to catch, I, I catch myself and kind of laugh at myself because I always look back and see how long my, my skid marks are, you know. Absolutely. So, Larry D., let, I mean, clearly I heard your excitement earlier when we are talking about what's going down in Texas. Give us, what are you excited about, about, not, I mean, not your event that you're a part of, the NFR, everything happening in Texas. What are you most excited about that's going down there in December? I, I think that I'm looking forward to looking around on that very first day that we're in that arena and see the faces of all the other girls who are there. And, you know, also being able to give thanks uh, to Jesus and being able to give thanks to my family and all the people that gave us this opportunity to do what I have and other girls have trained to do our whole lives. Yeah. I, and man, how cool is it that, you know, the, the, the Texas format and that, that things are going down there and rodeo in Texas and man, it's, I got to imagine that for all the young ladies that are part of this, this movement right now, clearly there's a lot of them in Texas is not much maybe on the West side or West coast that, how cool is it that, that just, well, because of coronavirus and all these things, that's what's happening, and here it is in everyone's backyard. You know, I think it's a great thing that it came to Texas, you know, for a year. There's, you know, there's so many families that may not go to Vegas. Uh, there's so many older people that might not have wanted to make the trip out there or been able to walk, you know, the amount of walking and, you know, all the, all the things that you have to do in Vegas. And, you know, I think it's pretty cool that, you know, for one year, maybe the people that hadn't gone to the finals since it was Oklahoma City may get to go again. And, you know, I think that's, that's pretty neat. And I love the, you know, I love that it's here and it's close to home. And, and I love going to Las Vegas. You know, it, there's so much to do in Las Vegas. And I know that it'll, you know, end up back there and all that. But it, it was a great opportunity. And it's great that the first year they have breakaway, it's in my home state. I mean, it's it's pretty cool that I get to go to the first NFR in Texas. That is pretty dang exciting. Before we wrap this up, doing a little research on you, you've said you learned a lot from the younger generations doing clinics and teaching, but you've also learned a lot from experienced generations, obviously. But what is something you've learned from that younger generation that maybe had a huge impact on you and your roping? You know, that younger generation, it's their confidence, it's their toughness, it's their grit. Those young girls, you know, they fully expect to be able to rope at the NFR and to be treated just like the other elite uh, rodeo athletes in rodeo. And I think it's their certainty and their intensity that motivates me uh, probably every day. Absolutely. Being involved with the Junior World Finals, we see so many young contestants working their way up, putting the effort in, and it's just incredible to watch this next generation of rodeo. 
I love watching them. They, 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 all that, you know, I think of, uh, like us older generation, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the oldest generations that's roping right now, but just watching how they motivate us and, and, and help us to move on and keep getting better and, and, and up in our level, because if we don't, we don't continue to get better, they will pass you right away. There, there's some great, great young ropers out there. When we talk about this newer generation, um, actually, I want to say we maybe talked to Stetson Wright about this last year, but it's the fact that you have access to all this information, right? You see what happens on the pro levels. For instance, like, you know, you're watching a Dallas Cowboy game, you know, Dak Prescott throws an interception, but then they show the camera him sitting on the sidelines with an iPad in front of him. And right away, he instantaneously gets to see where he went right, where he went wrong, and kind of how he can adjust that within real time matter before he gets back out on the field, right? There's just things that are happening. And from what we're understanding or in conversations here with a lot of the contestants and athletes, or both, however you want to say that, is that you you all are having that now, right? And I know you brought it up, but I, that that's speeding this process up where, you know, a lot of young ladies can watch how you're doing it and then they can cross over and look at what Trevor Brazil's doing and start adding that to their, you know, then like literally have an iPad out on the ranch, try something out 40 times, go back, watch the video again, watch themselves again, and just keep getting better at that. For you, what are you doing in this process, are you utilizing that kind of stuff? Or are you still just old school and I'm just going to do it the way I've always been doing it? Or how have, how have you adapted to your success and with the tools that are at your, um, at your disposal? Oh, you better adapt. Um, you know, times are changing and you got to change with the times. And it's, it's unbelievable how much, you know, there is out there. And just like you were saying, like back in the day, you had this big old camera, you could film yourself and go watch it, but to, to do it frame by frame by frame and, and slow motion and zooming in and, and look at things, we didn't have all that. And now we have that at our disposal. And I feel that you have got to use those things. And I call people and ask them, you know, how do they, you know, how do you do that? I, I just actually called a young girl that ropes really good. I think she's probably winning third in the WPRA um, right now is Martha Angelone. And I, she ropes calves really fast out in front of her. And I said, I want to know, I want to know what you're doing to make that happen like that. And, you know, I, I call people, I talk to people, I watch films, I break down things with my friends. And I, I try every single day to get better. And, you know, I, I said, if I can get 1% better every day, then in 100 days, I'll be 100% better. So that's kind of my goal is every day that I practice, I practice to get better. Man, that is awesome. You know, Larry D, I, I want to thank you for coming on. This was, um, this is good stuff. And I know a lot of young ladies are going to be listening to this because as we just talked about, uh, breakaway is blowing up and, um, Better, better days to come from what it sounds like after talking to you. Well, I appreciate that, and I would love to come back on anytime you guys would have me. Absolutely. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Larry, good luck in December. Thank you so much. The first National Finals Rodeo was held in 1959. Since that time, the greatest cowboys and cowgirls have graced rodeo's biggest stage in pursuit of a coveted gold buckle and the title of a world champion. We continue to honor the top 60 NFR contestants of all time. Casey Tibbs was a trailblazer in the sport of rodeo. In 1949, at the age of 19, he became the youngest man to ever win the National Saddle Bronc Riding Crown. During his illustrious career, he went on to win a total of six PRCA Saddle Bronc Championships a record that still stands today, plus one bareback riding title and two all-around titles. Known for his flashy style, impeccable timing on a bucking horse, and trademark purple color, Casey became not only a rodeo star, but a mainstream media favorite and a Western icon. He appeared in movies and on television and wrote a syndicated newspaper column, Letterback. He also graced the cover of Life magazine. His importance to the sport of rodeo has been compared to what Babe Ruth was to baseball and Red Grange to football. Even today, his name is used on streets, buildings, rodeos, and venues. He was inducted into the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame in 1979. His statue stands outside the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame today. 
Want to experience more of the NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've been hearing on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. NFR Extra, all dirt, all rodeo, all year. Hi, I'm Caleb Bennett, and this is NFR Extra. Chancey Williams joins us today to share with us growing up as a saddle bronc rider in Moorcroft, Wyoming, all the way to performing at the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. Chancey Williams, welcome to NFR Extra. Hey, thanks for having me on this morning. Obviously, there's a lot of news buzzing with the NFR and uh, just kind of some one of the questions we seem to ask a lot of people to come on here the past few months because of the bizarro world that's been going on. What have you been doing during this pandemic, Chancey? Well, it's it's definitely been a crazy year for, you know, us and everybody. And obviously you guys know because the, the entertainment world is, is turned upside down. But, you know, ever since the thing started, you know, back in March when everybody thought maybe it only last a couple months, you know, we, we tried to stay busy during it all. We just made sure and rehearsed a lot and worked on new stuff and, you know, worked on equipment because we never knew when it was going to break. So we just, uh, you know, tried to stay positive about the whole deal because, you know, it's a, uh, it's a weird time. So we just, we always try to look at it as a glass half full and uh, try to make the most of having the time off that, you know, over the years we had complained about never having enough time to do anything because we're always on the road, but you know, it's, we're feeling now that it's, <laughs> we're ready to get back on the road full time, but yeah, just been a uh, trying to, trying to make the most of it. Yeah. That's uh that's what a lot of people have been saying, you know, you, you can't guarantee what's come next day. So you kind of make the best of what you can do today and appreciate yesterday. So you are embedded into the rodeo business, you know, wherever you look at a rodeo, there's a good chance that Chansey and the band is playing. How did you get into rodeo and music? Like how did this all kind of come about? Well, you know, I, I grew up on a ranch, uh, in the Northeast corner of Wyoming called Moorcroft. And, uh, you know, we grew up ranch kids, me and my brothers. And then, uh, you know, my dad rodeoed for a long time, you know, before we were born and growing up that we kind of grew up rodeoing. That was our main thing growing up. We we rodeoed every summer since we were about five years old. And, you know, um, so, you know, as everybody knows, the rodeo families, it's just one giant family. Everybody knows everybody. So just, uh, we got into rodeo doing that. And, you know, that kind of led to playing music because, uh, you know, a lot of times I'd be in a rodeo or be picking up at a rodeo and get hired for the, for the dance last night. You know, we, we started playing music in high school just for fun. Uh, for something to do, but it's always kind of took the back burner to rodeo because, you know, growing up, I, I guess my dreams was always to be a world champion saddle bronc rider. And, you know, as the years progressed, the music kind of took over that. But, you know, been been involved with rodeo uh, and ranch in my whole life. And, you know, so kind of know everybody in the scene. And then music kind of came in there because how we were raised playing, you know, being ranch rodeo kids, we tend to sing country music. So it, it goes hand in hand with the, with the rodeo world. So with that side of it, Chancey, uh, you know, I mean, a truly authentic guy ranching and rodeoing, how has that impacted your songwriting? Well, I think it, it does a lot, you know, with, you know, growing up writing songs and, and, and listening to songs from other artists, you know, it's, it's kind of where people grow up in the regions in the United States. You know, I hear people singing songs about Texas and love those songs and people singing songs about, you know, living in the South and love those songs. But you know, obviously those types of songs don't really fit us. You know, there's not a lot of musical artists from Wyoming. And so like, I guess what we sing and write about is maybe sometimes new to people in a certain way, but you know, I just, uh, I've always tried to write songs that, uh, you know, my friends and, and, and rodeo friends that were going down the road would, would listen to on the way to rodeos, you know, like when we were rodeoing, I try to think back of the stuff we were listening to and, and just try to write those same type songs, you know, that maybe they would like play at rodeos or that my friends that are rodeoing would listen to on the way from, from town to town. So it, it definitely influences uh, the way I write, you know, and, you know, over the years growing up, you hear an artist maybe come out with a song about ranched in a rodeo that, it, you know, maybe the lingo's wrong on or the phrasing's wrong or, you know, a real rodeo cowboy would never say that. So I've always tried to write like, you know, true, authentic what what like my buddy that's riding saddle bronc might say that day he's getting on or something, you know? So I've tried to always make it super accurate as far as what, what real cowboys would say. 
Yeah. That's like when you're watching a Western and you see, you know, they're trying to do an authentic sort of a deal and you're looking at the guy's rig and you're like, no way is that guy a real cowboy. <laughs> so I know. And you know, it, that type of stuff passes by the normal viewer or the, the normal listener. But you know, the ones we wanted to hit home to the most is, is the authentic ones, you know, the real cowboys and the, the real people that, that understand the Western lifestyle. We want them to be like, Oh man, he, he nailed that versus like, man, we would never say that. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So growing up and going down the road and I mean, obviously road and rodeo with your family, did you have, uh, you know, like that one hero who was your rodeo icon growing up that that was the guy that you wanted to look like, talk like, dress like, ride like? Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously my dad, you know, dad, he never pro rodeoed long, uh, in his career, but you know, he, he won Cheyenne 1971 and, he got second in high school finals of bareback riding. So we always wanted to be like dad. But as far as after dad quit, you know, looking up to people, I, I would say for me and my brothers was the, was the Etbauer boys because, you know, uh, you know, they always had our boys from Rehite, South Dakota and Goodwill, Oklahoma. But what a lot of people don't know is, you know, like Danny at our group uh, graduated from Moorcroft where, where I grew up. And, and uh, you know, their parents and sisters still live in Moorcroft. So, you know, we'd always see the Etbauer boys at, uh, at church on Christmas, you know, and they used to come out and help us. And we were starting to ride bucking horses. And so I always looked up to them because they were kind of the first family, you know, as far as brothers went to like to, to put their name in, in the history of rodeo books, you know, Robert was a two-time world champion and Billy as many as he wanted. And Danny was a great bronker. So I always looked up the Etbauer boys just because we kind of had a hometown tie with those guys and they were classy, um, super nice to everybody. And I always wanted to kind of be like the Etbauer boys. The other thing, let's go back over to like the side of what's impacted your business, right? All of these country music artists that we brought on here, the, the influences are wide ranging. It could be their father, right? It could be, you know, someone in the music business they grew up listening to, who has impacted your career the most and kind of influenced you the most? Yeah, as far as music goes, you know, I always tell people, you know, growing up in, in Wyoming, any kid that ever plays guitar that rodeoed always obviously looks up to Chris Ledoux. There's not a huge music scene here, and, and Chris was the biggest. You know, he's the king of Wyoming and, and will always be the king of Wyoming. And all growing up, you know, I we sang and played a lot of Chris Ledoux songs because we loved him. But, you know, I, always, I knew when we started, I never wanted to try to beat Chris because, you know, Chris Ledoux fans and people from Wyoming are real touchy about Chris, you know, and, and he's one and only one forever. And I always say he's the king of Wyoming, but it, it's really hard not to try to be like Chris because, you know, and, and, and try to do the same moves he was. He was a genuine guy. Uh, like I said, super classy. He was a great family man. And he helped us growing up. You know, he let us open for him a couple of times and the band was real young. <laughs> you know, we weren't even good at all, but Chris, you know, went on a limb and let us open for him a couple of times. And that impacted my career for life. It made me realize I wanted to do this as a career forever. Just being able to play in front of 10,000 people at that young of an age. And then, you know, obviously George Strait, because, uh, you know, like we said earlier, like somebody growing up that you can tell how a real cowboy dresses, you can tell how a real cowboy rides. And like that was, that was a uh, George Strait too. And there's only, you know, ever been a handful of guys that have sang country music that are, true actual cowboys and so looked up to you know george Strait and chris ledoux were probably the two influences the most for me what other industries have this right where you have like a kind of a let's just call it an athletic approach but then you have an art approach right like where if you ride and, and, and you sing that's that's some talent right there man i mean Chancy, not even the fact that you're a pro but the fact that you've rodeoed and you're a musician that's something to say about what you're doing in your lifestyle pretty cool yeah, and you know, it's, it's you know, people over the years have said they've rodeoed, and you know, I mean, country artists have said they've rodeoed, and maybe they have, but I mean, to do it on a on a professional level is different than just, you know, maybe getting on a bull or a bronc a couple times growing up. I mean, coming from the rodeo side of it, we would say maybe that doesn't really count. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so, so you know, I, it, I've always liked the fact that I was able to back up that, you know, and I never we never use that as a leverage point for, for getting booked. We, we like to try to do it with just music, but if people ask, say, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I made the college national final a couple of times in the Bronx ride and went to high school finals. So it's like, I can sing about it, but I, I can also back it up too. We talk about being able to back it up. What are a few little known facts that someone would be surprised to learn about you? Well, one that I'm really, really fast. No, I'm just kidding. I, yeah. I always tell people that in interviews. <laughs> I'm actually not that fast anymore, but, um, well, you know, I went to college for, for seven years. I went to three years at Casper college, the rodeo to ride bucking horses. Then I 
came to University of Wyoming to to, to rodeo some more, and then to finish my degree, I, I actually got four degrees. I got a, a couple associates, and I have a bachelor's, and then a, I have a master's degree from the University of Wyoming too. So, Damn. I mean, a lot of people see me singing, and we're kind of wild, and I'm a you know rodeo cowboy that. Sometimes you don't expect like rodeo cowboys or even singers to, to have a master's degree, but I really enjoyed college and it was a lot of fun. And I was fortunate that rodeo paid for most of it. So I got to stay longer than most people were able to. We're talking to a, a rodeo scholar here. That's uh, pretty awesome, Chancy. <laughs> well, I, I was just good at college. <laughs> yeah, don't go using your big words on me, Chancy. <laughs> hey, don't worry. I, I don't tell a lot of people because I don't want them to think I'm smart. <laughs> I've never had that problem. <laughs> so you're talking about, uh, you know, everybody's kind of looking at getting back on the road and, and getting in the big uh, gray bus or whatever you want to call it. What is your pre, like, do you have a pre get on the stage deal that you and the band do? I mean, I mean, a, a little bit. We're, we're not like some bands that have just a full on ritual. We, you know, we always sit on the bus before the show, you know, might have a couple drinks and uh, we, we always talk about the set even though a lot of times, you know, each season we kind of have the same show we put together. And so we, it's kind of the same, but each, each night we try to like, Hey, remember last night we didn't quite do this. Right. So we, we talk about the show. We talk about the set, right. We'll go on and have a couple of drinks and then, you know, just tell everybody, that, you know, we always, the band each tells each other that, you know, have the confidence to go out there and, you know, in our own mind, we're the best at what we do right here that night. So like just go out there and, uh, and, and have fun because how many how many people in the world would love to be doing what we're doing and we've been blessed and very fortunate to to be able to to have this job as a career so just enjoy tonight like tonight's the last night you know and up until March you know it was just kind of a saying but you know it <laughs> that could actually happen. <laughs> you are pretty lucky, Chancy. Let's hit the pause button. When we return, Chancy talks about his dream of making the Wrangler National Finals rodeo. Want to relive the best NFR moments from the last 35 years? We've got you covered at NFRExperience.com. Check out the NFR History tab at the newly redesigned website for a walk, or should we say a gallop, down memory lane. You'll find images, recaps, and videos from the greatest moments from the last 35 years in Las Vegas. From Ty Murray to Trevor Brazil, Louis Field to Casey, Charmaine James to Mary Berger, Fred Whitfield to Joe Beaver, and everything in between, you'll find it here. There's something for all rodeo fans. Check it out at the newly redesigned NFRExperience.com. This is NFR. This is Vegas. Hi, I'm world champion Jet Johnson, and this is NFR Extra. We are back with country music singer-songwriter Chancey Williams. I've been part of the NFR for a good 20 plus years and I've gotten to see pretty much all your performances there at Thomas Mack Center. And when I watch you play, never get to get a chance to get out of side of the arena because I'm always working there. So I never got to see you go play, you know, at Treasure Island, wherever you've played elsewhere uh, on the strip. Right. One thing I noticed is you guys are having a fantastic time and it makes sense because you're getting to do what you love. You're around something that you love, which is rodeo. So you get this mix of happiness that's pretty damn pure, man. What does it mean for you? to perform at the national finals rodeo at Thomas and Mack center. Every kid that's ever rodeo's dream is, a, is, you know, to ride out of them yellow buck and shoot in the Thomas and Mack center. I mean, that's as good as it gets as far as rodeo cowboy. And, you know, once I retired from rodeo and just decided to focus solely on, on music, I knew I'd probably never get to ride there, you know? So like for me being able to set up to stand on that stage and set right in front of the yellow buck and shoots in the dirt at NFR is the biggest thing for me. Like we've got, We've had the opportunity to play tons of cool things, big stages all across the U.S. We even got to play overseas some, but like to me, growing up rodeoing and uh, never having that, you know, fulfillment of being able to ride out of them shoots, it's just as good to me to stand there and do my my talent now, which is music in that dirt, you know. So it's a uh, like I always tell Kyle, like guys like that have actually rodeoed, like Big Johnson and I and. and and, and Aaron, some, you know, Casey Donahue, like, that's cool to us because we respect the fact that it, it's the Super Bowl of, of rodeo and, and we're, we're the, we're the, the opening act. You know what I mean? It's, it's one of my favorite dates of the whole year. Chanty, what was one of your first ones? Can you kind of go back to your first time? Obviously, this, that should have been kind of that, 
I mean, honestly, probably no different than a contestant coming out there. What What was your first time? How was that feel? Oh, it, it was awesome. I remember we got the call from Kyle, and he said, you know, and it was kind of later because it was getting kind of close to NFR, and I didn't even know about it really. And he said, hey, you know, would you like to do the opening ceremony? You get to do one song. And, you know, it's obviously every night sold out, 18,000 people. I was like, man, this is huge for us. And I just remember walking into Thomas and Mac because, you know, I'd been there as a fan because, Las Vegas events had always been so good to us. We had the opportunity to play the Cox Pavilion several times, and that was neat. But, like, actually being able to play in the Thomas Mac was mind-blowing. You know, we got to go downstairs. We're next to all the locker rooms where all the Bronc Riders and Bearback Riders are, and I'm friends with all those guys. So it's fun to kind of be in the same area as those guys, you know, that I used to rodeo with, but I'm not rodeoing anymore. They're there. And it was just amazing. I mean, I, I was nervous, you know, because, like, they bring you down the tunnel and, you know, they got the bareback riding horses loaded there and those guys are getting ready to get on. You're visiting with them. And then they shotgun us out on the stage and you just want to do the best you can because it's such a it's such a big event for us, you know. I mean, it's 18,000 people right there watching you, but, you know, it's piped all around town to – you guys would know however many people get to see it in town. So it's like it's huge for us and we – and it's just it's just that experience of the being able to per- participate in the you know in the Super Bowl rodeo and like you know my dad always says he's like you know there's a lot of rodeo cowboys that never made the NFR and you know there's a lot of guys that only made it once he's like you've got to sing there four times in the Thomas Mac he's like it's like you made it four times in your own way <laughs> so I really enjoy that well you're talking about eighteen thousand people live you know that you're performing for and kicking off our Super Bowl rodeo how do you pick? what song you're going to play? Well, you know, the last, every year we've got to do it. Ever since the first, the first year, we just picked one of our, you know, most popular songs. But the next year, you know, right after the, that year, they said, Hey, you know, if you want to come back next year, we'll have you. So I, you know, each year I kind of try to write a song that, that fits the NFR, uh, something that's fast, something that fits rodeo, you know? So like the second year we played rodeo cold beer and we kind of wrote that for, obviously for rodeo, but it fit the NFR perfect. And then I think last year we played fastest gun in town and that's, you know, just a bronc riding song that in its high pace, some, you know, cause we want to come out there with something that excites the crowd, you know, and, you know, we got some good rodeo songs that are slow songs, but for that moment of that night, people are getting pumped up. I mean, as you guys know, the, the energy in the Thomas Mac is, is crazy. You can just, you could cut it with a knife. So like, we don't want to come out there <laughs> and slow slow the pace down. So we want to give them something fast and something rocking that, that the, the country fans, the cowboy fans will will get behind. The energy is just about as insane as it gets. It's uh, as, as someone would always tell me, it's bananas, right? Like just uh, the way right. people get. What is your probably your favorite Vegas moment? I mean, you got to have a, a few, but what is something that kind of comes to mind? And wherever it doesn't have to be Thomas Max Center, it could be anywhere that you performed somewhere in that town. Uh, during the NFR, what's one of your favorite Vegas moments? Well, you know, we, we've been super fortunate over the years to be able to play NFR. You know, we've played NFR for, I think, 10 plus years. And, you know, it started out, you know, we'd play Space Smith Party a night, and, you know, and then we'd, we'd, we we kind of graduated. We played Gillies and we played Mirage. We, we, we've literally played everywhere in town. And we, we joke about we're the band that will play anywhere. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a new fan base pretty much every night. So this, you can play every night in Vegas, I think, because you see new people all the time. But, you know, we've had fun at Mirage. We've had fun at South Point. I mean, every everything that we play is a blast just because we like being a part of the whole week. But, you know, I mean, I would I would say it's the opening ceremony just because it's it's in the heart of the rodeo. It's at the rodeo. It's in the dirt. I mean, the Cox Pavilion for years was awesome because it was at the rodeo, you know, before and after deal. And we thought that was the best thing ever. And it was until we got to do the thing that's actually in the dirt. Like, well, this is it. So I would say every year we look forward to doing the opening ceremony. And uh, along with, you know, playing all over town's a blast because each each casino and each resort has its own different feel and maybe a different set of fans. Because, you know, sometimes there's fans that go to the Mirage, you know, concert that don't go to Gillies. And there's people that go to Gillies that don't go to South Point. So we like to be able to see everybody through as you guys know, there's different groups of people that come every few days. So, I mean, it's, it's always being restocked with, with new fans. So, but I would say definitely my, my favorite is the opening ceremony. Knowing that there's some crazy stuff been going on, you know, people have had to reschedule and things have changed. What's your plans 
going forward here for the rest of the year? And are you going to try to get your boot in the door playing in Texas for the for the NFR this year? Are you going to try to make any kind of plans like that? Yeah, we are for sure. You know, uh, that's why I was, you know, hoping that, you know, it was going to happen for one and two, hoping that Las Vegas events would, would put it on again because they do such a good job. And I mean, the rodeos ran down to the, as you guys know, to the second, I mean, that the thing is put on spot on. It's hard to, it's going to be hard to recreate that for, you know, people that have never put that type of rodeo on before. So we were hoping Las Vegas events would uh, put the thing on no matter where it was. Now it's in Texas that, you know, maybe we'd have get to do an opening ceremony again. And then if that plays out, you know, we'll try to get something put in maybe around Fort Worth or Dallas or a couple hour radius there. Cause I, I assume all the venues in Texas right now are going to be putting stuff in that are going to want to have fans at, and hopefully they can have a decent capacity to have a lot of fans. So we're going to try to make our way to Texas and, feel that out and, and, and play it, you know, so we'll just, in the next few days, the next couple of weeks, we'll kind of see how, see how it plays out. You know, we signed with William Morris agency last year and they're good at, they know all the venues down there. So I think they're currently working on a spot for us somewhere down there. Awesome, dude. Well, it's always, always a pleasure, uh, not only watching perform, but uh, hanging out with you guys and glad that you're plugging along and getting the rehearsing done for getting back on the road and bringing a new energy that I'm sure you guys have got. Yeah. You know, <laughs> as everybody says, it's been a crazy year, but you know, and we, we were fortunate because of where we live in Wyoming that, you know, Wyoming was a little bit more lax this summer. So we were able to put in a bunch of dates just around our home state, some towns that we hadn't played for years. It was, it kind of worked out really fun that, you know, it was limited capacity on everything, but we found out that there's, you know, still a lot of people that want to come out to shows no matter what. So we were able to play some, but you know the fall might be a little slow, but we're still going to keep chipping away and look forward to to what to what comes next. Chancey, thank you for coming on the show. It's good to know you, man. Uh, damn, did not know that you were a scholar. Knew you were a gentleman, but definitely did not know the scholar. It's pretty awesome. So it was good meeting you, man. Thanks for coming well, on NFR. Yeah, yeah. Well, I sure appreciate you guys having us having me on, and uh, good luck with everything getting it put together. I think it'll be awesome, and can't wait for this year. But I'm super excited about 2021 back in Vegas. Yeah, same here. Awesome. We'll appreciate you, Chancey. Thank you very much, man. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I sure appreciate it. We want to thank Larry DeGuy and Chancey Williams for visiting NFR Extra. Stay tuned for episode 66 when Cowboy Channel GM Jeff Metters and NFR Rodeo announcer Andy Seiler join us on NFR Extra. Want to experience more of the NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've been hearing on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. NFR Extra. All dirt. All rodeo. All year. And the ladies in the skin-tight wrangers